This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast. As we uh, on this holiday week continue along in what is become a very, very busy week with a lot of stuff uh, going on. As we head towards a a football weekend, we have the passing of Franco Harris just days before the 50th anniversary of the famed play that uh, he was so linked to throughout his uh, entire, really entire life as a football player in the the profession, professional ranks. The Immaculate Reception uh, is one of the remarkable plays in NFL history, uh, as a matter of fact, Uh, and especially coming in a playoff game between two bitter rivals, and they were the most bitter of rivals. Uh, So many famed players on the field. And then uh, you have... um, what's going on in free agency on a day when the Yankees were naming or bringing back the fact that they or celebrating the fact that they were bringing back Aaron Judge and naming him captain. The big news was the stunning reversal of the Giants and uh, Correa making his way to the Mets and finishing off what has been a remarkable uh, offseason for the Mets and uh, really has stamped their owner now as really the guy who has set baseball on its ear. Uh, Everyone wondered if he would. Now he has. There's no question about it. Uh, The change in Met ownership has been remarkable. You knew you were bringing in a man who, of extreme wealth and a man who did not like to lose or did not mind paying for anything he needed to get his hands on. Uh, and Cohen has done that, and now uh, the Mets have a very prominent place in baseball and have really stolen the headlines away from the Yankees in New York. There's no question about it. No matter what the Yankees do for a headline, including naming the, the best player in baseball right now, Aaron Judge, uh, to a, and bringing him back on a long-term contract and naming him captain, which means so much in the Yankee law, it pales in comparison to what the Mets did in the last 24 hours. Uh, it's just uh, remarkable. Now, there's going to be some repercussions. There's going to be some screaming on two fronts. One, Giants probably aren't very happy about the way this was handled. We don't know. There might be a lot of he says and he says. and We may never know the truth. There was some contention over the physical and when – They saw an opening. They jumped to the Mets. I had heard last week, and I had mentioned it on the uh, podcast, that the Mets had come close to signing career. So uh, they had been in the ballpark with him to begin with, and now uh, they pounced on it and really turned baseball on its ear. There's no question about it. So uh, as we're a couple of days away from Christmas, the Mets fan has already had his Christmas. He's had his Christmas and his 
uh, Thanksgiving and his uh, 4th of July and everything else rolled into one as he can't wait for the season to start. I was with a couple of Mets fans today, and they were running to try and bet the Mets to win the World Series. I mean, they were, they were crazy uh, with that uh, today. So uh, you can tell the reaction that it has had and where it has placed Cone in baseball law right now and uh, in the hearts of Mets fans right now. Uh, we got a lot of emails to get to. Let me tell you that as far as football goes, we will do our Football Friday podcast tomorrow. We will have it up early in the day tomorrow so that we have it up for the Jet-Jacksonville game, which is so important tomorrow night. And as you know, they did not get white cleared. The Mets had uh, the, the Jets had not named. Wilson, the starter, which says they obviously weren't in, in that, you know, in any way thrilled with his performance last week, but White was not ready, and now Wilson's back at quarterback, and all that means against a Jacksonville team that is getting such great play from their young quarterback and is playing so well after stunning the Cowboys uh, last week. All right, let's get to some emails here. As we know, we you send them to Mike Francesa at, at Gmail, the Mike Francesa podcast at gmail.com. And remember, for all of your wagering needs over the holidays and every other time, bowl time, NFL playoff time, baseball time, whatever, futures time, go to betrivers.com in New York and New Jersey, uh, play Sugar House in Connecticut. All right, Richard in Connecticut starts us off. What kind of effect will the career signing have on Cohen's reputation around baseball? Um, it cements it. There were those who feared that he was going to come in and throw his money around. He has done that now. The Met payroll is, by most calculations, just shy of $400 million, about $384 million, $385 million next year. That's about $90 million over the uh, workable salary cap. Luxury tax, rather. I mean, it's over the uh, about two ninety three, so they're about ninety million over. They are approaching four hundred million in payroll. They have gone out and spent a lot of money. They spent over a hundred million on Diaz, which re-signing him was important. They spent over one hundred sixty million on Nimmo, re-signing him. They brought in Senga, spent the money there. Brought in Quintana, spent the money there. Uh, Verlander spent another $86 million over two years there. Uh, brought in some other lesser pieces in the bullpen, Robertson, Arvino, at the, and the like, and have added a bunch of people and have escalated the payroll. And remember, they're going to have some other guys to pay in the near future. Now, they have a complete team. They have a deep bullpen led by a superb closer right now. They have starting pitching. They were able to replace one stud with another stud in the starting rotation. They were able to replace the other pieces in the starting rotation. They were uh, able to put some other little pieces in place and then get the big bat that they wanted Correa goes to third, so your infield most likely is going to be Alonzo, McNeil, Endor, Correa. That could be four All-Stars. Without question, it's three All-Stars. Without question, it's three of the top players in baseball. And then McNeil's a guy who can win a batting crown. So, I mean, you're talking about just an incredible 
infield right now. Now, McNeil could wind up playing a little left field, too. We know that, so we'll leave that up in the air. What this means for uh, Brett Batty, not much. What this means for Escobar, who knows if he'll even be on the team. If he does, maybe he sees some time at DH. We'll have to wait and see. Um, or he is a guy who's a very good locker room guy who turns out to be a jack-of-all-trades. Remember, guys get hurt, and guys, you know, and you need depth, so maybe he comes and, and takes that role with this team. We'll wait and see how that works. But this team improved in every area it needed to improve. They overcame the loss of DeGrom, the loss of Bassett. Anybody who left, they put a checker on a checker or better. The team has big bats now. It has enough offense now. It has enough depth now. It has quality everywhere in the starting rotation, in the bullpen, throughout the lineup. It is a team that obviously uh, anybody can see going all the way next year. I don't think there is any question about it. It has very, very few weaknesses right now. Now, you want to pick it apart? Hey, we can try to pick anything apart. Are they loaded a catcher? No. Are they, do they have to worry about Scherzer and Verlander? Yes. They're, they're, they're older. They're vulnerable to injury. There's no question about that. They have to deal with that. Do you worry about a great reliever coming up with two years like that in a row? Maybe. I mean, although he was incredibly overpowering last year. The Mets ran out of gas last year. They didn't win last year when Alonzo and Lindor, especially Alonzo, didn't hit. Now they have more balance. Now they have better balance righty-lefty. Uh, they have everything you want right now, and they just brought in a winning player. I don't think there's any question about that. And as far as Cone, he has done everything that he promised the Met fan. He has elevated his status with the Met fan. He has stolen the back page from the Yankees. He has created a buzz, and he has made a lot of enemies in baseball. So he has rung every bell. Chris emails, if George, and we all know who George is, were still with us today, how do you think he would respond to Cohen stealing the back pages during this unprecedented spending spree? Um, he would fight fire with fire. That's his way. That was always his way. He would take it as an utter challenge except one thing. George is smart, and George know, would know one thing. He did not have the ammunition to fight Cohen Head on. George did not have Cohen's money. Not even close. George was never the richest owner in baseball. This man is the richest owner in baseball probably three times over. So George didn't have that kind of ammunition and he knew it. So he would have been more cunning in his fighting. But what he would have done is he would have used his own Barnum and Bailey ways to steal back the back page. He wouldn't have done it, I don't think, with the checkbook because he couldn't. He would have done it in other ways. Paul in Saratoga wants to know, uh, and it's nice to think about Saratoga right now, as you get ready for some inclement weather or some really cold weather or even Christmas time, you think about those days that are uh, not that far away. When you get to the new year, you think about Saratoga and you think about your Saratoga plans for next year. I know I do. And I can't wait to take uh, a couple of new yearlings and take Casa Creed and take High Oak. Uh, who is training fabulously uh, back to Saratoga next year. Looking forward to that in a uh, very big way. All right, as long as, as a longtime Met fan, 
who up to now has been a supporter of Cohn. I can't get behind the signing of one of the central players in the Astros cheating scandal. The Mets let Carlos Beltran go. Now they do this. I think your point is fair. I think your point could even be deemed admirable. I think it is very much in the minority, and I don't think most Mets fans care. That you care, you have every right to. You don't want to get behind him, don't get behind him. But the bottom line is uh, the Astros have now been forgiven. Time has healed those wounds. Those, that, that thing's long gone now. Dusty Baker sort of that. Brendan, I know you're a big uh, Brunson fan. Uh, and I see the shift here now. Before I get to the other emails, let me say a couple things about baseball from the Yankee standpoint. On a day when they named judges captain, which I understand it's symbolic to some Yankee fans, means something to Yankee fans. That I'd rather see the team get better than worry about whether or not they make judge the captain. I think that's that's fine, but I don't really care that much about that. Um, to me, the Yankees went out and added a very quality pitcher who does have some issues. His temperament might not be made for the Bronx. He's injury prone. We know that. He is extremely talented. No one can quibble with his abilities. He makes the rotation stronger, and it's a good rotation. I'm not worried about the Yankee rotation. I am worried about other things with the Yankees. I don't like the lineup. I don't like the makeup of this team. And there are distinct areas. The Yankees aren't going to be able to get rid of Hicks. They're not going to be able to get rid of Donaldson. Nobody's going to want them. They have to pay to get rid of them. And the Yankees have holes in left field. They have a hole at third base. They are not completed catcher. They are not completed shortstop, although... I think you give the kid a chance, let Peraza play. He might surprise you offensively, and he's looked like he has a wonderful glove at shortstop. I'd give him a chance to play every day. Let him have the job and see where you go from there. But I told you this many times. With the notable exception of Rizzo, and I can't quibble with anybody bringing Judge back. He's a wonderful player, although I wouldn't have paid him the money they paid him or given him the years that they gave him. Um, I understand the Yankees were between a rock and a hard place because of the history of everything that he goes with him. But I don't like the players on this team, and I don't think other than Judge, there is a player that had to be back on this team. And that's a scary thought. And the Yankees have a lot of holes to fill, and they still, to me, are very much incomplete. Do they have starting pitching? Yes. Are they great in a bullpen? They have some depth in the bullpen. They got some arms in the bullpen, but they don't answer any questions in the bullpen. And as far as the postseason, they'll, they'll never have answered those until we get to the postseason. Um, and I don't like the lineup. I don't think the Yankees have improved their team very much. I really don't. Now to the emails. I know you're a big Brunson fan. I am. And the Knicks look like they are starting to gel, clearly. Uh, what adjustments do you think they've made for the streak? And do you think they have the talent, the right coach, to make any noise in the postseason? Not an unbelievable amount, because in the postseason, it comes down to having the big player come up big. And 
although I think Brunson will make them better in a lot of ways, and he will be an answer far more than Randall would be in the postseason in a big spot. They still are without that player that makes the difference in the postseason. Brunson's a nice two. I even elevate him to that status where I can use him as the second guy on the team. I, they don't have that one that makes the difference that puts you over the top. And in the postseason, if you want to go deep, you need that. As to what's going on with this team, Thibodeau's found combinations he can live with. They are playing excellent. They, they are playing excellent half-court defense. They have a rotation now that he likes, and he has to like the rotation or it doesn't work. Last year he didn't like anything about it. Now he does. Number two, number three, they have to get better. And this is a real, real uneven part about the Knicks. If you are, by NBA standards, a team that has the postseason record that the, I mean, the, uh, road record that the Knicks have. When you are 10 and 6 on the road in the NBA, 10 and 6 on the road in the NBA does not equate to 8 and 7. It equates to about 12 or in 3 or 13 and 2 at home. When you play 10 and 6 on the road, most teams don't play most good teams don't play 500 on the road. If they do, they're happy with that. The Knicks are 10 and 6 on the road, but they have a lesser record at home. At home, if you look at a team that's 10 and 6, if you equate it to what should be typical NBA, they should be 13 and 2 at home. They're 8 and 7. They have got to be able to beat people in their building. And especially in the fourth quarter of games. That has got to happen for this team. I told you Brunson would make a difference. He is starting to make a big difference in a lot of different ways. It's the factor that is connecting the parts. So do I think you want to get giddy about the postseason? No, but they are no longer a losing team. but they have got to play better at home and win the games they're supposed to win at home. The passing of Franco Harris, which was stunning. I mean, how ironic. Life's crazy. How ironic as football is really building up the 50th anniversary of one of the iconic plays in NFL history. Basically, Phil says, with the passing of Franklin House, can you touch on the Immaculate Reception? I urge you to watch it. I remember the game. I watched it live. And it's one of those games where, just like Dallas in Minnesota with Drew Pearson and Starbucks, you thought the game was over. 
It's fourth down. It's 22 seconds left. The game is over. He's throwing the ball to French Fuqua, and it hit the ground. Did Tatum's helmet hit it? What hit? What did it hit? Did it hit anything? Franco takes it off a few sips. Off the, uh, you know, the tip of the, of the toes, and away you go. With his fingertips, and away you go. You have one of the crazy plays, and in a brutal game, a physical game, a low-scoring game, and I really, you have to go back and understand how much the Steelers and the Raiders hated each other. They despised each other. And this was devastating. It's one of those where you just, you know, you're just counting the, the seconds off, and then, oh, my God, stunning. Now, his passing, and I still don't know exactly at 72, which these days is not old. I don't know. I didn't know he was sick. He was doing interviews this week, from what I understand from this thing. I, I, I don't know if this was just I, – I don't know the cause of death yet. I read up a couple of things trying to see what it was. I don't know what it is. I haven't heard yet. We send our thoughts and prayers, obviously, and it's just crazy that it happened just days before the 50th anniversary of this. Tim and Morristown, is it fair to say the Dallas defense is 100% to blame for the 14 points – they led up to the Packers and the 17 points to the Jaguars. I'd say for all intents and purposes, yes, you never can excuse the offense completely because if the offense does its job and keeps the ball and lets its defense rest and moves the chains and stays on the field, they separate one bad series from another. Usually when these things happen, the offense is contributing by going out quickly or, in worst case, turning the ball over. But clearly, we've expected a lot of the Dallas offense and in those two games. Before that game ever turned into a, you know, a turnover in overtime to lose it, they let the Jaguars come back and let Lawrence come back and move the ball repeatedly on them, just like the Packers did. That defense is better than that. Andy emails, is the play from the Patriot game the other day worse than the Pesosic fumble and the Deshaun Jackson walk-off punt return against the Giants? It's not as bad as either one of those, and let me explain why. Those two devastating plays had execution and coaching involved. The Giants never should have been handing the ball off in the Pesosic play. The Giants never should have been punting the ball where they did in the Deshaun Jackson play. In this play, it was not a case of the coaching staff doing anything. And now this incredibly random, insane play, which will be used to teach end-of-game protocol now for the rest of time. Because this will be instructed everywhere by every team, which will say, do not ever forget that the ball is live. You don't have the ability on a last game play to throw the ball around indiscriminately. 
Now, this wasn't planned. Belichick didn't send a play out for this. He ran the ball, and then Stevenson started a chain reaction by throwing the ball, which you see often on the last play of the game. But that randomness has got to now be cautioned with people who have to understand, hey, if you throw that ball in the wrong place, it could be returned for a touchdown. So you can't indiscriminately just throw that ball up all over the place. It is a live football. And it's quite ironic that the team coached by the guy who has set the standard for preparation has the dumbest play and most ridiculous play you're ever going to see in your lifetime happen to his team. But the difference is the other were tainted by coaching miscues and and poor execution. This was just a random absurdity, but no longer will that be the case because this will now be used to teach and to send a message that we don't just indiscriminately throw the ball over the place at the end of the game. Joe in Tampa, with quarterbacks running the way they do now, would Tim Tebow have thrived in today's NFL? No. Because eventually these guys, whether it's Hurts, whether it's Fields, whatever, they have to throw the ball. Jones, Allen, they have to throw the ball. And he wasn't capable of doing that on a a level that was needed to play in the league. You're right about how much the running is a part now. There were regular season games that he could have been a factor in. But overall, he's not going to win big in the league because he doesn't have any passability. You need to couple it with some passing ability. Rob and Jericho, do you agree that it's ridiculous if Jeff can't, can't get any respect for the Hall of Fame? I haven't given it a lot of thought, but he had a good career. He wasn't one of nature's noblemen, as we know. That shouldn't matter. It does in certain circumstances. But he clearly had a wonderful career. Robbie emails, I know that you're not the biggest hockey person, but you've always praised Alex uh, Ovechkin. As an athlete, yeah, I've always been amazed at when I watch, and I love postseason hockey. I know that's probably not fair to dismiss regular season hockey, but and then love watching postseason hockey. But I do. I don't care. It's, it's the way I do it. I don't watch much regular season hockey, but I really watch very little. But I love Stanley Cup hockey. I love the intensity. I love how hard the players work. I love the physicality. I love everything about it. I think it's great theater. And I, I love watching it. I don't watch an incredible amount of regular season NBA. And I love the playoffs. Same thing. But uh, if you're asking me, am I amazed by Ovechkin? Yes, he's a great athlete. He plays so hard. And now, as he comes on the threshold of breaking records that people thought were untouchable by Gretzky, it shows you that you're looking at one of the great careers of all time. Without any question. Paul emails, do you miss going to the big games and broadcasting live before the game? Yes. I'm a sports guy. Sports are on my life. They always have been. 
Um, I love sports. Always have. I never worked in my life because I've always done what I love. I've been very fortunate that way. I still get to go to games, but I don't go to nearly as many. And I loved when we got there before a big game and we knew we were going to be able to interview everybody and we were going to be able to set the scene and we were going to be a big part of the theater and big part of the action that day. That was a great thrill. It really was. And of course I miss it. I even miss, and this has been really good, and I thank the Bet Rivers people for this, because having this podcast, and the podcast has grown enormously, and I thank everybody for that. It's done really well, so we thank everybody for that. Um, but having this you know, vehicle and having this platform where I know I can get Mons ready, say, Mons, let's go. And I drag him in at 7 in the morning. I drag him in at 1 in the morning. Uh, after a game, I'll say, Mons, listen, we're going to stay up and do something after this game tonight. We're going to stay up and do something after this game. And he's got little kids, and this is 1 in the morning we go down and do stuff. 2 in the morning we go down and do stuff. You know, I don't have – I got kids who were seniors in high school. I don't have little kids. Um, he does. He's got a million kids too, but he's got little kids. But we do it all the time. And – that's a great vehicle to have and a platform to have to know that I can reach you guys and be there for you guys after a big game. That's why I love being there after an NFL game or after a playoff game or anything like that. We love doing that. That's a bit, and, and th- that gives me a big part of that. So that has brought a lot of that back this year with that. And I'm very thankful for that. Like I said, we will have the uh, football Friday podcast up tomorrow should be up by about noon we'll do it in the morning we'll do it so that we have it ready for this jet game and obviously we know that the travel plans and everybody and there's a lot of inclement weather coming our way and really anywhere if you're traveling in this country pretty much anywhere in the next couple of days we are looking at uh whether that's going to first start out with uh rain heavy heavy winds and temperatures in the 50s and then plummet down into the teens before Christmas to where it's going to be like 15. So we're going to get some nasty weather. So with all that coming and everything, everybody's travel plans are different this week. So we will put that up tomorrow and then we will do something on the weekend after the games are played, but we will uh, get that up tomorrow for you uh, with the football one tomorrow morning. We wanted to get a baseball one up today and ads and answer some emails, but also especially with what the Mets have done. And let's be honest, the Mets have rocked the baseball world. And for you Mets fans who had to take a backseat for a long time, I know you're smiling about this now. And you know what? Enjoy it. Because the, you know, the, the accounts are full. And anything he needs, he gets. And right now, he told you that he would do that. And let's be honest, he's gone out and done it. Look at the players he's added Go down the list, you know, re-sign Diaz, bring in Verlander, re-sign Nimmo, bring in Senga, bring in Quintana, bring in the catcher, bring in Robertson, bring in Adovino, uh, bring in another lefty reliever, bring in all these people. Uh, and then 
bring in Korea for $315 million. Have a payroll almost to $400 million, of which 100 of it will be over the luxury tax. You know what? He's done exactly what he said he would do. That's why you're all smiles and dreaming big dreams these this holiday season. Nothing wrong with that. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.